Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, it's Crystal Knight and welcome back to the show brought to you by Newsweek. This week's guest is Florida's 10th congressional member, Congressman Maxwell Frost. We spoke about some of the legislation that I've been talking about over the last two weeks that Governor Ron DeSantis has signed into law. And I wanted to get a congressional member's perspective. But we also spoke about the debt crisis. And it's important to know that we recorded this conversation before Congress reached their deal with President Biden over the weekend. So we're speaking in the future, but it's still relevant now because what we already know is that this is just a temporary fix to a larger problem that our Congress and our president has to solve. Thank you so much for joining the show this week. Really appreciate you making time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. There's a lot of bad legislation that is coming out of the state of Florida right now that has been signed or is set to be signed by Governor Ron DeSantis. Last week, I spoke with a group, Equal Ground, that's doing work across the state around the anti-DEI legislation and how it will affect, you know, African-American schools, HBCUs. And this week I'm focusing on the immigration bill, this anti-immigrant bill, SB 1718, and all of the small provisions in it, but how it all really culminates into really just being anti-immigrant, anti-Latinos, anti-people who are trying to live in the state of Florida and create a better life for themselves. My first question for you is, what's your take on this particular bill? How will it affect the Florida economy? And how will it affect people who are living in the state currently, who are living under this threat of potentially being arrested or deported or being jailed because they are either helping or aiding someone who is undocumented? Yeah, well, like you said, it's anti-immigrant, it's anti-Latino, but on top of all of that, it's Mm anti-human, right? And I think we look at a lot of the legislation that's been passed this this session, and what really is prevalent for me is just the lack of humanity. Um, You know, we talk about a bill like this that, of course, criminalizes and continues to criminalize and demonize undocumented folks, but also anyone who is around them, um, their family, their friends, anybody. Uh, you can't drive an undocumented person in a car uh, right. with this legislation. Um, and so it's important that people are paying attention to this type of legislation because it's harmful to the impacted group, but to everybody around them, too. And is that really does that really encapsulate our values as Floridians, that if you are in a car with an undocumented person, that should be a felony? Um, I don't think so. I don't think the majority of Floridians are for that. And this is what DeSantis is doing. He would need to out Trump Trump to win a presidential primary. He's going right. to announce in a few hours on Twitter space 
right. um, which is interesting, I guess. Yeah. And um, and so the past you know three months really have been him gearing up for a presidential campaign. And what I what I've been saying is he's been more interested in running for president than running the state of Florida, and <clears throat> has not been working on the issues that Floridians care about, like the affordable housing crisis <clears throat> and a lot of the problems going on with gun violence, right. um, uh, uh, living affordability, wages, et cetera. These are the things that people really care about. Um, they don't really want, you know, bigoted legislation that essentially works to take away people's rights. So it, it's it's really anti-human and it's anti-American. Absolutely. And I think the thing that feels so dangerous, not only for Floridians, but also for the country is, again, like you stated, he is about to announce that he's going to run for president. Um, he is seeking the GOP nomination. But if he's successful, this is the kind of policies that he could potentially create for the country. And what's happening in Florida could absolutely be duplicated across this country in a number of states. And we already know that people love copycat legislation. They see something pass in a state like Florida. They go to Texas, they go to Tennessee, they go where they have these extreme governors or, you know, legislative bodies that think the same way as a governor Ron DeSantis does. And then this issue begins to trickle across the country. And before we know it, we're living in very autocratic times. And so I'd love to just hear your thoughts about his potential run or, you know, and, and what it could mean, not only for immigrants across this country, but just the American public at large. Because as you stated, this is just anti-human. It's not just anti-immigrant. It's something that all of us should be deeply and grossly offended by. Exactly. And so, you know, to continue on the point we were just talking about, we see this copycat legislation in the United States Congress. You know, I said like a few months ago, I feel like I have a I feel like I'm Raven Simone, you know, and like I'm like seeing the future, looking at the Florida State Legislature, because all those bills end up coming here a few months later. Right. And so um, and it's unfortunate. And on top of that, Something that the right wing does a good job of in the state legislatures is they have they have organizations that really work at making these bills. There's one called ALEC. Yeah. Uh, it's a legislative exchange, as you you know about them. Mm-hmm. And they essentially do mad lib bigoted bills, <clears throat> give them to all the legislatures, and they're literally the same. Um, and it's it's really unfortunate. What they do is they beta test these bills in a few states um, where they can pass. They see what the public sentiment is. They see if they can really ram it through and get it signed behind closed doors without many people knowing. And then they take that model and they put it around to other states where they feel like they can pass that type of legislation as well. Um, And the sad part is they're effective at it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this has been a long game for the right wing taking over the state legislatures and the governor's mansions. And this is part of the reason why as Democrats, we have to have um, a long game as well. You know, we are typically obsessed with short term goals which are really important, but we have to be we have to be thinking about the next 50 years and what that's going to look like across this country. And I think now we're starting to see um, the, the the fruits of what the Republican Party has been doing. You know, the Roe versus Wade, people being surprised about that. That's a 30 year plan that just, you know, came to fruition. But that's right. something that they have been working on for a long time. Um, and so it's important to keep that in mind with DeSantis running for president. I mean, look. I, I don't think he's going to end up winning his primary because what history shows us is that when a candidate works to mimic another candidate, mm-hmm. the person who wins is usually the the original. And <laughs> right. so 
what Trump is doing or, or what uh, DeSantis is doing is he's trying to be Donald Trump 2.0. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, but like the Harvard, uh, Florida version, or I guess right. the Harvard version or whatever. And uh, people see through that. I think I don't think Trump voters are really going to be flocking to DeSantis. Um, why have him when you can have the original horrible person? And uh, <laughs> and so I'm not. I don't think he's going to make it through this primary. But even if he does, the nation's going to see everything he's done in Florida, and they're going to reject that. Um, and you know, the President Biden will win no matter what, no matter who the Republican nominee is, because both of the leading people are essentially fascist in ideology, very far right wing, very extreme, and very much about taking away freedoms and liberties. And uh, that's not what most people want in their president. And I know and listeners should know that you represent the 10th congressional district. So you're not a state legislator, but you do represent your home state of Florida. What kinds of policies or legislations can you put forward at the federal level so that governors like Ron DeSantis cannot continue to push these really anti-immigrant, anti-democratic, anti-human pieces of legislation. What's something that you can do that listeners can say, this is something that my representative can do to combat this type of bad policy and bad legislation? Because ultimately what it does, it harms people, it harms families, and it makes people feel afraid to just go about their day-to-day lives because of the threat of, you know, being caught, being stopped by someone who does not see them and view them as human. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, what we need to do, two things. We need to pass protections um, for marginalized communities, for working people, for poor people across the country. Mm-hmm. And I think the plan and tactic here should be looking at these bills that have passed in these, uh, especially southern states. Right. And actually taking that and looking at how can we directly counteract it with federal legislation. So essentially preempting a lot of the horrible laws that have been passed. We can do this with gun violence. We can do this with housing. Mm-hmm. We can do this with um, immigration. Um, and it's really important that that we do this. However, with Republicans controlling the House of Representatives, uh, we're not going to be able to do it for the next uh, for, for this session um, out of Congress. And so what we have to do is we have to do an assessment of power and figure out what levers can we pull now? Right. Because we can introduce legislation now that will hopefully you know get passed in the next Congress when we take back the House. Mm-hmm. But we also got to worry about what's going on right now. And so now we look at where we do have power, which is in the administration and the Senate. What can the Senate do? Well, the Senate can't really pass legislation without the House, but they confirm our judges. And so making sure that the Senate is confirming judges who are actually going to stand up for the people that are far right wing extremists. Number two, we look at the administration. The administration has a lot of power, whether it's the DOJ or the Department of Justice, the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. And so um, they've already been uh, launching some investigations. We're encouraging the administration to be even more heavy handed um, in investigating what's going on in these states as far as education, justice, uh, policing, immigrants are concerned, because this is where our power is at right now. We need to use it. And one of the things you just said was looking at what's happening right now. And I think that that's very appropriate for me to transition to the debt crisis or the debt limit. That's something that you are actively debating on the floor right now. And one of your colleagues, Matt Gates, who's also represents um, Florida, he has given several interviews and he's talked about limit, save and grow. Um, but ultimately, 
it feels like, and I could be wrong, but it feels like Republicans are willing to let this country go in default over political lines. They're willing to do everything and anything they can to embarrass um, this Biden administration. But ultimately, they're hurting the whole of America. This is not just about hurting one particular party. This isn't about hurting one particular president. This is the livelihood. These are people who go to work every day who are federal employees. These are people who depend on the federal dollars that make our country turn and work every single day. And to hear someone like Representative Gates, to hear others, to hear Speaker McCarthy really just want to stall these discussions and and decision, it feels disheartening. And so I'm just curious, like you're on the floor, what is happening and how should we be thinking about how our elected officials are behaving considering the deadline is weeks away? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's important for people to understand exactly what's going on. And, And essentially the, the Republicans have taken the, crisis of default, right? Which would be a crisis. It mm-hmm. would be pretty much economic collapse. We, at best case scenario, we go into a pretty bad recession right. in which working people suffer the most. That's mm-hmm. actually the best case scenario um, for a default. It could be a lot worse than uh, a recession, um, but we don't want to be in a recession. The, you know, the people who are unable to weather those storms are working class families and the, right. people, that we, the people that I represent. Um, but what we do is what happens is we have a party that, you know, has made a bomb, essentially. And they're saying, unless you give us what we want in terms of the budget, we're going to click the detonator on the entire country. And there's even some folks in that party that kind of want to click the detonator. They're a little curious to see what will happen. And that's wow. people like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, they they don't care. Right. They, they are kind of curious to see what happens if we default. And so, number one, that's not responsible and it's completely uh, uh, reckless. But on top of that, it's just not how you govern. And the budgeting process is a separate process than raising the debt limit. But Republicans know that they cannot get their cuts through the normal budget process. So now they're thinking, what can we do? And they've now attached it to the to the debt ceiling. And it, it's really unfortunate. And what people need to know is this, it's simple. They wanna cut programs that you depend on. They wanna cut food stamps, SNAP benefits. They wanna cut um, veteran benefits, which they say they don't, but it, it will um, uh, cut veteran benefits. They wanna com- defund the Department of Veteran Affairs there are a lot of cuts wow. in here that are really going to hit working people at home. And so this fight, even though it seems like, why can't they come to a consensus? It's it's not that. This is a hostage situation. And the American people are the hostages, essentially. Matt Gates himself just yesterday or the day before was talking about the fact that he doesn't even think McCarthy should be negotiating with the White House because you shouldn't negotiate with your hostage. That's wow. literally what Matt Gates said. That so is they're crazy. saying the quiet part out loud now. And I think it's important for people to realize What's going on? A default would be horrible for working people. The bill that they want to get through, the budget that they want to get through, will also be horrible for working people. And so let's just move on, right? And so we'll see what ends up happening. And, you know, I have faith that the president will hold the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and if and when there is a consensus that they come to, uh, we should all hope that it's a consensus that does not include, you know, t- food, food stamps and things like that being cut from working people. The thing that always 
baffles me about political parties and the lines is that when you have representatives and, and senators who say that they want to defund or cut these particular programs, these are programs that their constituents rely on as well. There's, there's yeah. nothing in me that believes that the Matthew Gates of the world, the Kevin McCarthy's and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, and even the Lauren Boebert's that they don't have constituents in their respective districts that are veterans that rely heavily on food stamps that rely on government assistance, any type of program that would, you know, help them get a leg up in life. And then when we talk about defunding veteran affairs, these are people that we encourage to go out and fight on behalf of our country. And then when they return home, we have nothing for them. No mental health, no health care, you know, no programs that would literally help alleviate many of the post traumas that they've experienced while serving on behalf of the United States of America. And so this is a rhetorical question, but how do they reason with themselves and their districts to fight against things that would help their own constituents? Well, they lie, right? And they, and a lot of times they do an effective job of just continuing to spew lies to their constituents. And that's why it's up to us to tell the truth about what's going on. I just gave a speech on the, on the floor in debate um, they're trying to rescind the student uh, loan forgiveness that President Biden is trying to get through. It's being litigated right now. Right. There are 20 million people will benefit from that relief. And these are constituents of those members who are working against them. And here's the other thing. There's not like a guiding principle or like vision of the country that they have that's guiding this. They just want to win and they want to hit Biden. And for them, Biden losing, the president losing is a win for them. And that's what they want for the next election. And so and even if you look at um, spending across presidents, what always happens mm-hmm. is Republicans will have a Republican president and they'll raise the debt ceiling with no if, answer, buts. They did it Absolutely. under President Trump three times. Three times. Then when a Democratic president comes in, they want to have a conversation about spending and then they hold the debt ceiling as a as a hostage to curb the spending because they realize and they know, like everyone else, that when the government spends more money on programs that help people, guess what? The economy does better. And when the economy does better, guess what? The sitting president has a better chance of being reelected. That's why when there's a Republican president, they'll spend all they want and lift the debt ceiling as many times as they need to because they want the economy to be be strong so they can win elections. When a Democratic president's in there, they're willing to let the economy go to shit so that way they can be reelected. And that's essentially what's going on right now. It's all politics at the expense of people. Right. And it's it's teeing up the fight for 2024. Essentially, this is something that they will be able to use all of them as they get ready to run for reelection themselves, but also to fight against President Biden, um, particularly depending on how this shakes out in the negotiation phase that, you know, in in summer of 2023 or late spring 2023, this is what we were fighting. This is what we did. And this is what this president did when really they're just being anti-democracy and anti-democratic a president. And they should just say that instead of, you know, in the words of, of Matt Gates trying to hold someone hostage or hold the economy hostage. Really, you're just being anti-Biden, anti this administration. And that's what, and that's what the party is about now. Maybe mm-hmm. it was different at some point, mm-hmm. but this ain't your daddy's Republican part, right? Like right. this is a different party and they are the party of no, mm-hmm. that is it. 
if you look at what they want in this budget, it's not about, oh, we want more money for veterans or we want this to, to build on this vision of the world that we believe in. No, no, no. It's about cutting food stamps. It's about cutting veteran, veteran benefits. It's about cutting student loan debt. The, the Republican Party is like one big buzzkill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially they want to cut um, these benefits that people really need and we're going to continue to fight for them. Well, thank you so much for not only representing your district, but representing the millions of Americans who rely on these types of programs. And just for our listeners, if there's anything, one thing that you can leave with us about what is happening right now politically in our country and why it's important to have great and solid representation, what would you say to our listeners? I would say we're in a time right now where the right wing is becoming more extreme more authoritarian and willing to abuse their power to hurt all of us so that way they can gain more power. But at the same time, at the same time, this country is changing also for the better. We see that young people are voting at numbers we've never seen before. We see that people are rising up across the country. And I actually feel really good about the future of this nation. Mm -hmm. So we just got to keep it up um, and ensure that no matter what happens, no matter what we see happen in Tennessee or Florida or wherever, Um, that we stick to electing good, morally just people who actually care about us and that are willing to fight because this is a fight. You know, during my election, I remember I was in a debate and I used the word fight. And one of my opponents said, well, I'm going there to work. We have too many, too many fighters up there. So, you know, like it's all semantics, but whatever. Right. But the fact of the matter is, this is a fight. Yeah. If you see what's going right now, this is a fight. And if only one side's fighting, guess who's going to win? And so we need people who are willing to actually stand up for their constituents and for working people. And it's going to look and feel different across the country in different districts. Right. Um, Right now, we all need to be unified around this. Representative Frost, I know you got to get back on the floor. Thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time this week. And we will continue to watch you fight on behalf of your district and the American public. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Crystal Night Show brought to you by Newsweek. The best way you can support us is to give your five-star review on Apple iTunes and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to The Crystal Night Show. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. It's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The parting shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.